I'm Jason Mitchell, sustainability strategist for Man Group. You're listening to Perspectives Towards a Sustainable Future, a podcast about what we're doing today to build a more sustainable world tomorrow. How would you measure the Earth's resources? What would you include? More importantly, what would you leave out? Just how we go about valuing these resources has become an important and controversial issue. Traditionally, we've based this value on what we consume, the amount of water we drink, fish we eat, or energy we use. But this approach ignores a critical fact. Valuing our consumption flows doesn't do us much good unless we know what remains of them, which is why natural capital accounting is a far more holistic means of valuing these resources. Think of natural capital as all the intangible benefits of our ecosystem, ones that we often take for granted, like the air we breathe or what biodiversity means for the food chain. For instance, while forests are a source of timber, they also provide a vital store for carbon, not to mention a habitat for wildlife. And sadly, the full value of these resources only becomes apparent to us when they're polluted or scarce. Consider air pollution in our cities or the current water shortage that faces Cape Town and South Africa. So stay tuned for why natural capital accounting might just help us better manage our resources for future generations. Today, I'm speaking to Eche Ozdemiroglu from FTEC about why natural capital accounting represents a more powerful means to value the Earth's resources. Welcome, Eche. Welcome. Thank you. Um, look, to start, could you give us a few minutes background about yourself and, and FTEC and, and the story of FTEC? Sure. Uh, pleasure to be speaking to you today. Um, so we're a group of economists um, and economists with um, knowledge and interest in, in the environment. And we always know, we always knew that environment is important to people um, from supporting our life on planet to giving us art, inspiration, happiness. But um, mysteriously, when we come to making economic decisions, we forget all that. Um, and the impacts on the environment and um, benefits from environment is sort of take secondary importance, if that. So as economists, we thought, well, what can we do um, to change that? What can we do to make environment and economic decision? And so we started, um, having studied this at a sort of postgraduate level, we started a company back in 1992 um, to practice um, what we learned um, how can we find evidence, uh, monetary and quantitative evidence, that the environmental resources have economic value and our decisions about economic actions have implications for environment? How can we use that in policy making? How can we use that in um, investment decisions and appraising investments? And more and more now, um, how can we use the knowledge of um, economic values in um, monitoring um, if you're doing well, mm. if you're investing in the right things, if you're protecting the environment in the right way, um, if you are reducing the risks to environment and from environment in the right way. The short answer is we're not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we were, we <laughs> would be out of business. Um, we're not, but what, how can we influence things better for the better, for a more sustainable uh, management, economic management and environmental management? Um, and as well as um, work in running FTEC and working on our projects, um, we also uh, sit in various committees um, trying to push the 
debate further mm-hmm. um, and hopefully the practice for, uh, follows. So, for example, I sit in the Climate Change Committee for the UK Adaptation Subcommittee. Um, I have, uh, we're members of the Aldersgate Group. Um, we sit in the Sustainable Group for the Institute of uh, Chartered Accountants for England and Wales, etc. So Got it. That kind of thing. <laughs> well, thanks. No, it's great to hear. So, I mean, let's start off by uh, sort of talking about natural capital and mm-hmm. natural capital accounting. How would you describe natural capital to, okay. to the audience? So, natural capital is everything above, on, in, and under the land and the sea. <laughs> so, everything you can think about is natural capital. Um, we used to talk about environment. That's why the company is called Economics for Environment. If we were setting it now, setting it up now, we might have called the Economics for Natural Capital. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a change of terminology, but not a change of um, context. So everything, it's everything that makes life on Earth possible for us humans and, and for other species, and everything that we make direct use of as well for, for our um, living and economic activities. Some of these assets capital assets we extract we produce we trade um, so conventionally economic thinking has been all about around the markets and what we can trade um, and we equated the value of environment to the price and the financial return we can get from that but more and more um, I think we're trying to, we're understanding that it's not just about the flow of benefits that we get because if you concentrate on that on those, um, that then we're being very short-termist. Mm-hmm. So when the flow ends in one location, we move to another location, but slowly we're realizing that there are a limited number of locations. So um, the natural capital thinking is trying to encourage people to shift the focus from the flows to the assets. Um, what stock of assets do we have? How is that stock doing? Is the quantity declining? Is the quality declining? What are the trends? Maybe because of our, my company's actions or maybe because others' actions, maybe because actions of everyone, like climate change. You know, what's happening to the assets that my business is dependent on um, and the company might own those assets or they might rely on them because they have a very long supply chain that goes mm. all the way back to nature. So the, the, the reason we're talking about natural capital is because we want people to think about stocks. It's also got some traction because it's a positive discourse, actually. Um, before, um, for a long time, environmental discussions had always been about the terrible things that we do to the environment. You know, too many, too much emissions, too many effluent, too much logging, etc. Um, it's still going on, but the... But the shift is more about, when you talk, think more about assets, it's more about a good thing that you have. We have loads of good natural capital assets. Um, it's good for everybody. It's in everybody's interest to enhance the, those assets, to maintain at least, at least maintain those assets. So it's, it's a much more positive discourse. And I think also the word capital and the assets are things that are familiar to uh, perhaps the audi- listeners of yeah. this podcast, rather than if I told you about ecosystem services, you might be put off, but they are the same things yeah. in I mean, some it, ways. It sounds like a pretty fundamental reframing mm. of the way in which we sort of look at and value our natural resources. I mean, typically, 
you know, when you go about looking at, at the impact on, on, on those natural resources, what kind of issues, you know, would you typically, you know, examine or touch on, you know, in a, in a project? Um, so we look at the a company, so, say we're doing a natural capital accounting for a company, um, we look at what kind of natural capital assets they own. Um, so it could be um, forests, for example, it could be land in a water catchment, uh, and the company might be using the water from the catchment, um, or it could be soil um, for farming and the quality of the soil. And then we look at um, what are the trends going forward, um, how, what's the partly because based on the company's own plans of how they use those assets, um, and partly because the external impacts, um, as I talked about, other other companies or public's use of the resources or impacts like climate change. And um, so we look at how the quantity and quality of the asset will likely change over time and what kind of measures the company needs to have in place um, to maintain the assets, as at least as they are now, today so that they can continue to receive the flow of benefits um, from from them in into the future. In some ways it's like a balance sheet, mm-hmm. looking at the balance sheet of a company. So when you look at the financial health of a company, you look at the profit and loss account because you want to know how year on year they're how well they're doing, but you also want to look at the balance sheet of the company, the company's wealth and health mm. <laughs> going forward, right? How strong it is against possible shocks. So for the natural capital accounting, we're doing the same thing. The corporate natural capital account that we do is is like a balance sheet, but it's forward-looking. Mm. It's looking at the value of the assets the company owns or depends on, um, and then liabilities are the kind of things that money that company does or should spend to maintain those, that value, mm. the, that asset value. I started saying about you know the asset the company owns. Of course, very few companies own their own assets, um, but the method started uh, being developed working with that kind of company. Now we are expanding it to companies that rely on supply chains. So whilst a financial account boundary is the boundary of the company, a natural capital account doesn't have to be limited to the assets specifically owned by the company, it could include assets that the company depends on through their supply chain, yeah. maybe in another country even. Would you say, though, that natural capital accounting, I mean, is it intended to be a complement to the way we look at, you know, sort of finance or financial accounting right now, or is it sort of in the future intended to be a substitute, you know, even? Let's start with the complement. <laughs> <laughs> no, complement is good. I think the, the objective is is so that we can get environmental issues and, and the importance of natural capital talked about at the same time, at the same meeting as the financial health and um, attributes of a company. So we can think big and say it'll substitute one day, but all I want is to get my natural capital account sheet and report to be looked at on the same meeting by the same board. Hmm. As one of my colleagues says, you know, his, his achievement in his career is to in, get a chief financing officer interested in quality of soil. That's what <laughs> we want. The uh, accounting is a difficult area when you hmm. think about standards. You know, for instance, it's taken 
decades um, in traditional accounting to finally, you know, start to converge, and not even fully, around, you know, IFRS, International Financial mm -hmm. Reporting Standards. Um, but what we've seen over the last probably decade within sustainability is an emergence of a, a number of different standards. You've got SASB, the Sustainability or Sust uh, Sustainability Accounting Standards Board. You've got GRI, Global Reporting Initiative, ways of looking at carbon, like uh, the Carbon Disclosure Project, and even, you know, most recently, the, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Mm -hmm. um, they all have their own specific use, but they sort of create this I think sometimes a bit of confusion about what maybe might be the the best metric or the most appropriate metric to focus on and really coalesce um, uh, whether it's investors, you know, sort of attention or it's sort of global, you know, sort of attention. I mean, how would you how would you differentiate natural ca natural uh, uh, capital accounting? relative to some of these recent sustainability uh, 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 standards. Um, what does it improve upon, for instance? Well, it's almost the National Capital Account sits above all those um, reporting initiatives. So the, the idea with the reporting initiatives is that they, they are set for a particular purpose. They collect metrics that are useful for that purpose. What natural capital accounting does is pulls together all sorts of data and metrics to start with and then tries and compares them. And we know we can't compare apples and oranges, but and that's why where the economics economists get interesting and interested and excited. It says, Oh, can I express some of these at least in monetary terms? Because not because we love money, but because we it's a good metric to make environment and finance comparable, right? So account, accounting is not um, instead of these reporting initiatives. Accounting can use the outputs of these initiatives um, and brings them together. And, and that really is the best, uh, one of the best things about natural capital accounting is to bring different strands of data, bring different business units that collect those different strands of data together get them fill an account together, during that, talk to each other. So that's what I, I like about doing this work. It's not about getting the right metric, the right number. It's about a process. It's about getting people who wouldn't work together that closely, normally, work together and help each other to come up with more sustainable, more environmentally friendly, but also more profitable options for the business. Um, and there are examples of this when we did before, if, if you want me to mm -hmm. give. Sure. So one of, the, one of the very first examples that we did was for National Trust mm -hmm. in the UK. They are the largest landowner and they were looking at one of their estates, which uh, they decided was going to go organic. And they knew it would mean that uh, there will be a crop yield loss. Um, and they did it because they had a champion within the business who mm -hmm. could who was happy with that, who was content with that, I should say. Um, so what we did with the natural capital accounting, we could show, yes, there was a decline in the crop yield, but there, were in, there was increase in lots of other natural flows from that farm. Um, so improvements to other you know, species and for future quality of soil, biodiversity of soil, etc. Um, the process benefit from that had been that the person who run that estate said this was the first time ever he could talk to 
directors at the board level. They'd never paid attention to individual estates before because he was now able to talk the language of the board. He was able to present the benefits that he can provide in a in the in the num- number and tabular format that the boards are familiar with. This is a this is a language. This is a communication issue as well as an mm. analytical approach. Um, so that that really gets me excited to see people talking to each other, but, but finding to, new things. To stay on that example, because that's mm. interesting. Because I think you know, I mean, farming. Um, you tend to be very obsessed on the investment side, very obsessed about sort of yields, yeah. you know, and, and sort of the current crop, um, particularly when you've got you know extreme weather, you know, sort of always changing mm. it, but. You know, in that sense, that current crop that we're looking at, those are the flows, right? Yes. But there's not, you know, and, and people tend to manage around sort of volatility in those flows by adding more phosphate or fertilizer, yeah. right? Um, but that doesn't answer the long-term question that yeah. you're trying to yeah. get to, which is, you know, what are the interrelated impacts, like you said, yeah. on biodiversity, on yeah. that, 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 you know, are, are, will show up years yeah. from now? Yeah. So if we exactly, so if we if we always remain maintain a short term um, angle, so we're only interested on this year's and next year's crop yield. That's fine. We can live like that. <laughs> but but it's not under year three, year thirty. Mm. We may not have any more yield left from mm. from that farm. And we've heard about uh, pollinators crisis, right? So for and we've maybe less so in the, in terms of the quality of soils is declining yeah. across the globe because we're mining it too much. Um, and what we're doing, in, instead of stopping or, or slowing down and investing in the quality of the soil, natural quality of the soil, we're putting more and more fertilizers to substitute for the loss of the natural mm. nutrients. And we can only do that so far. And what would happen is that the food prices would go up the profitability would go down. So the kind of investors that are interested in natural capital accounting are the kind of investors that are concerned about long-term returns, like pension funds to start with. But I don't think they'll be alone in that champion position, leader position for a long time. Everyone else is thinking about this now, the more we read about these issues in the media and stuff. So what do I need to do? What do I need to invest in to make sure that these flows can be sustained over a long-term period. It's the ultimate sustainability question. What do I need to do now to make sure that the benefits I receive from the environment are sustained over several generations, not just mine? Um, And accounting, by collecting the appropriate type of data and comparing them to to each other, can, in, in, in effect the value of the assets to the liabilities that we have to maintain that value um, tells us how well we're doing year on year Got it. basically Got it. are we investing in the right things yeah. Yeah, one, th- one thing that, that's sort of clear is that uh, you know uh, the establishing you know any kind of standard that standard mm. needs a certain kind of flexibility or resilience um, particularly you know given sort of regional differences local differences in 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 in, uh, in how you treat yeah. it yeah. Um, how do you think natural accounting sort of uh, 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 can reflect those kinds of regional or local differences and you know when you look at the roadmap that the natural capital protocol mm. sort of sets out how does it uh, uh, allow for that 
So natural accounting is about the principles, right? So it's a relatively simple set of principles, uh, principle questions, I should say. It asks, what assets do I have or do I depend on? What is their, what is the quality and quantity of those assets? What are they doing for me? What are the flows that they're generating? And how is that changing over time? Either because what I do in my business or what others do somewhere else or environmental conditions. Then the question follows, what do I do with that information? Do I change the way I do business? Um, what needs to be standard is this set of questions that everyone asks. How you answer those questions is very much specific to the company, to the location, to the types of assets, um, to even like the gradient of the mountain on which you are farming. You know, that makes difference. So the more you work with the environment, I think the more we need to learn to be comfortable with complexity. This is not... To make the right decision is not about simplifying things and standardizing things. It's to make approaches comparable, but to learn to live with complex data and to learn to live with uncertainty and risks. Um, business people do know this. You know, business is about risk management, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So it's just different types of risks um, and sort of finding sort of delight in, in complexity and intellectual challenge in trying to find ways of getting out of that complexity, I think. In terms of the protocol, what the protocol, natural capital protocol has recognized this. It's collected lots of different approaches, tools, and it's helping businesses um, to find their way through this complexity by identifying what's the purpose for which they want to think about natural capital, what are the questions that they are asking of their businesses, and then which tools out of a big toolbox would help them answer those questions. So protocol, as you rightly said, is a, is a roadmap. Hmm. Um, and it's, I think they've just published something called Natural Capital 2017. Um, and they have, they've set up a hub on the, on the web to, um, for people to share their experiences of using the protocol and various approaches. So that will prove to be a useful source, I think, for okay. us to learn from each other. If you look at other industries, are there, you know, when I think of natural capital, I mean, are there lessons to be learned or, you know, particularly sort of challenges to watch out for when you look at the oil and gas industry? Because of, you know, relative to a lot of other industries, I think of them as, um, despite being big emitters of carbon, um, really being vigilant about how they manage their reserves. Mm. I mean, their, their, their capital assets. Um, but, the way in which they've done that hasn't been entirely transparent. Um, you know, if you're a, 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 an oil country, you're going to tend to guard your reserves. Um, um, you know, technology gains have certainly driven, you know, kind of an expansion in reserves in some cases. The question is, when you look at oil and gas, what does it say about how natural capital accounting can be more effective or what you need to sort of watch out for? Um, so I give you examples of from the kind of work that we did. Um, is that some companies um, want to do this as an external facing exercise? So if they've done an account, uh, they're transparent about it, about all the assumptions and um, gaps as well, because it's always 
this is not a regulated financial account type thing. We don't go through every receipt. Um, it's not audited in, the, in that same way. But, but you have to be transparent if you're going to publish it. Some companies, on the other end, um, chose not to publish their accounts for whatever reason, but they have taken some action. So it might be that they didn't like the message that they weren't doing as well as they, they thought they were, um, and perhaps they chose to... Um, not publish the account until they can fix it in terms of genuinely fix it by by changing their practices. Um, for oil and gas, um, I don't. It's not an area that I work a lot on. Yeah. I don't know. But um, the the main thing with the accounting, natural capital accounting and thinking, is not so that we can publish more. Um, you know, make make everything externally available. The more we do, the better, of course. But the main thing is that can we behave, can we help businesses behave more sustainably? That's the key thing. If that has to be um, at, at the boardroom level, then you know, closed doors, then let be it. I think. But for our work, we obviously would like everyone to share their experiences and their accounts. Yeah, you, you mentioned uh, the uh, the farming example, uh-huh. um, but are there any other clients that uh, that you can talk about yeah. um, uh, who have sort of successfully uh, started to look at natural capital accounting? And you know, I'm I'm always really kind of curious at sort of culturally why companies make that choice are they doing this are they adopting this uh, natural account uh, capital accounting because of regulatory pressure are they doing that because they are very sort of forward thinking what's been your experience um it's a mixture of things so one of the very first accounts we did was for the forest enterprise england um they are the corporate arm of forestry commission um and they'd started years before actually and that the accounting framework has come up, and and their um, uh, what's the word? motivation um, was to really prove their worth. Literally, um, they knew that the timber they produce and some few other commercial financial returns they produce is a very very small percentage of the environmental. Um, and social benefit that they produce. So they wanted to do an account that showed that. Um, so it's a, it's a motivation to prove their existence. Um, and actually, we've done that in England, but now um, they're equivalent to the commercial forestry um, organisation in Republic of Ireland is also doing an account, um, probably for similar motivations. Um, We've done a much more small-scale account, more of a sort of asset register for Duchy of Cornwall. Um, And their motivation there was a regulatory one because it's in their mandate to make sure that the land they manage is managed sustainably. And they were saying, well, what does this mean? How do we know we're doing things sustainably if we don't track the right data over the time and actually... Um, compare different types of capital that's all covered by sustainability. Um, we also do some work for uh, water companies in the UK. They are, of course, regulated, um, but their accounting system, natural capital, is not regulated. What their motivation is, is to find the best investment options in the catchments that they are taking water from, so that... Um, that they can keep taking water from it, basically. Um, so they're trying to shift their investments from building more um, man-made structures 
reservoirs and pipelines, pumps, etc., to investing in the catchment so that the natural water cycle can work much better and so that you can get the right amount of water in the right place at the right time rather than what we have now is too much water in the wrong place at the wrong time or not, not enough. Um, so they're doing the accounts to be able to talk to other stakeholders in a catchment as a communication exercise um, and um, to find the best best investment options. And generally, investors are interested, I think, is a, in the account as a due diligence tool um, and as a monitoring tool. You know, we have invested in this project, in this company. Is that bring, bringing us the uh, natural capital returns that we were expecting from it? Um, and I think investors also want to use it as a communication and an engagement tool. Um, as well. Yeah, I was going to actually uh, finish on that question, but mm. I mean, how do you think investors um, start to think about, you know, how is the best way for them to start integrating natural capital accounting or sort of the notions around it, you know, into their investment decision-making process? Well, um, I, I've been talking to a lot more investors recently than I ever in my life before, um, and and they have been from um, you know international finance institutions like EBRD and the IFC or whatever um, to commercial banks investing with with environmental portfolios, and they they've all been saying the same thing. They're saying they're under increased pressure from people who invest with them to find um, impact, good impact investments, to find investments that generate higher natural capital returns. Not just as well as financial returns, but perhaps solely for natural capital returns. And what they're saying is that they find it difficult to find projects that they can invest in. So we have a mismatch, whilst the environmental groups and the public policy and the people who run, who look after the environment say, we're desperate for money. Um, and we know what we would spend it on, and then we have investors who want to invest in projects, but they can't find them. I think there's lots of learning to do in future, so that we can give the kind of people who could provide natural capital returns learn how to prepare projects that are investable, and for investors to learn a bit of kind of you know natural capital 101. Mm. What does it mean? How yeah. do they measure? How how can you compare different returns? Um, but I think we will get there, and the hope is with the with the people, with the individuals, really. I think there's more. Um, perhaps it's a it's a hopeful note to finish on. Um, the more and more people are saying, well, on the one hand, I'm paying to a charity to protect the Amazon forest. On the other hand, I don't know where my pension is invested. Maybe it's invested in a logging company that's that's um, cutting down the Amazon forest. This. This is this can't happen. You know, I can't allow this to continue. So this is where the pressure is coming from, and I think um, and I hope really that the natural capital accounting can help bring different sides to this dilemma together and help them find um, more sustainable solutions. 
Let's hope. It definitely sounds exciting. So thanks, Ache. I mean, this, is, this has been a great overview of natural capital accounting and obviously a great overview of, of what FTech is doing in the space. Um, I'm Jason Mitchell. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And please stay tuned for the next episode of Perspectives on a Sustainable Future. Thanks. Thank you. You're listening to Perspectives Toward a Sustainable Future, a podcast about what we're doing today to build a more sustainable world tomorrow. I'm Jason Mitchell, Sustainability Strategist at Man Group. Thanks for joining us, and special thanks to everyone that helped produce this show. To check out more episodes of this podcast, please visit us at man.com forward slash responsible dash investment or look for us on iTunes.